When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Baldly Go, the officially unofficial podcast for all of Star Trek. This week we're talking about Season 2, Episode 5, titled Charades. Uh, Aaron, what did you think of this episode? I thought it was pretty good. Charades. Uh, it's super fun. If you're and fancy. If you're, yeah, if you're fancy, if you want to play it with your pinky uh, sticking out. Um, it's yeah. This was one of these. These are secretly my favorite Star Trek episodes. You know, when I think back about my favorites, you know, there's like Inner Light and uh, what was the Best other one about all of our tomorrows? Or I forget the yeah. You, you think about those, but like the ones that I really like are episodes like Data's Day. Uh, one okay. thing, my favorite Star Trek novels, they're always like the ones where uh, you know, Data becomes a becomes a human. And the ones that start with personal logs, not captain's logs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Personal, and there, we've been personal log heavy this uh, season of Star Trek. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I like it. It's just super fun to see Spock as a fully human, dealing with hormones and smells and tastes and touches, and the fact that it's uh, all kind of like this uh, meet the Fockers type of situation where you get this uncompromising, intimidating Vulcan couple that you have to meet these are going to be your in-laws uh i really like uh amanda grayson the uh, I, I guess she's been in this uh, in star trek disco before because of spock being in disco um hmm. but uh, i was unfamiliar with her work and i thought she brought a lot of like warmth and affection to the role which is also always a hallmark of that character um and uh yeah i just i i i really enjoyed it it's it's not like a serious one it's not got a lot of heavy canon events you know pike's not warding off a future vision of his own death or whatnot it's it's just a fun low stakes uh episode of star trek i'm not sure i agree with everything that like spock does i I was kind (laughs) of shocked that he pulled the ross geller we're on a break i'm just gonna sprint the chapel's quarters and start (laughs) the 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 human fucking immediately but you know i i, I oh, guess this whole to bring thing is on its way out I, it, the, the writing's well, on the wall here we know, know where it goes we know where it yeah, goes yeah. and honestly um i think these episodes like like you know for as much as i don't know that i've always enjoyed the horny teenage spock episodes of star trek uh them fleshing out him at the pring's character goes a lot of the way for me understanding why she would set him up for a death match against his best friend in the old series, because he is mishandling her and her whole situation and taking her for granted in, uh, in, in a way that's just somewhat shocking to me. Um, yeah. The, 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 the disrespect, uh, and then if they yeah, do I, try and get back together, it's going to be like, Oh, well, you know, I slept with chapel, but we were on a break She's going to ask, you know, when did this happen? He's going to say about 45 seconds after we decided to go on break. Uh Uh I had a drink with Captain Pike and then it was it was on. Uh, Yeah, yeah. 
And now you got to wonder. And they're going to the death match. You got to wonder because I, I kind of liked to bring as they've conceived her in the show. And uh, but 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 you're right. Like the writing's on the wall. We know where this relationship ends up uh, eventually. And, uh, she, you know, how much more of just like, you know, uh failed Vulcan relationship do we want to really get to although I got to say like how much of like school, love uh, schoolboy and girl if, uh, infatuation relationship between Chapel and Spock I want to see not a ton there either so yeah I feel like they need at least one more episode to really sell the deathmatch stuff uh, right. there, there has to be an episode where you the know betrayal. she finds out about this and it, yeah, yeah there's some some real obvious reveal here but uh yeah hopefully there's not too much more but i did enjoy this episode quite a bit too i think the i i've been watching ds9 it's weird how sometimes these episodes just coincide with each other because yesterday literally i watched the episode where jadzia and Worf, you know have their their engagement stuff that they're doing they're gonna get married and Worf has to go you know do his bachelor his klingon bachelor party uh-huh. and jadzia has to impress uh martok's wife which mm. is difficult. It's much like trying to impress Spock's mother, or, or sorry, to Pring's mother here. Um, and and yeah, there, there's a lot of similarities there. Feels like that's the gear they go to when they say, "Oh, people are going to get married." There, there are some real trials and tribulations with that. They did, yeah. they did it with Rom and Lita too. Same thing. Well, I mean, because I think they're touching on like, you know, this is a real life thing. Anytime we have like cultural or racial mixing, you know, you're talking about intermarrying uh, from people from different faiths, people from different races, the like, how are the parents going to treat it? like maybe the kids are cool with it, but their parents are very traditional. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's actually I kept on thinking of like that in terms of like what this would be if like you directly translated to an earth thing. It's like what (laughs) it's guess who's coming to dinner, which feels a lot. It, it, yeah, some of these some of this stuff, some of this stuff like breaks down. Like if you had an interracial child and then like an alien disassembled it, it's like, well, the instructions are unclear. Here's your, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> he went he, he he went on an away mission with a white woman, so we're returning him as that as like some of that shit would be wildly problematic. But it's you know it's it's it, it's fun to kind of explore this in a very extreme form like the fact that like you know it's one thing that if you came from like different socioeconomic a cultural standards racial background different expectations different experiences now extrapolate that to a completely truly alien mm-hmm. environment and it's even it's it's that much more extreme like there where you're reading minds and having to pick up stuff that's literally burning your flesh and it shouldn't burn there that that's you, you get away with it but i it's like mm-hmm. I said, it's it's fun. It's 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 just it's just really fun. And uh, Ethan Peck is having a lot of fun, you know, stretching out his human legs. Uh, mm-hmm. I was really surprised about how game like Anson Mount was. Like some of the shit that he does in the backgrounds, um, you know, as as him kind of being host is just really hilarious. Like when his dad <laughs> asked for another crack at the Vulcan snack, and he's just like on it. And then he he's back in the background assembling this tray as things are getting increasingly tense, and he wheels it t- just as Spock is dropping the like truth bomb on Tuprell, and he just like wheel like just like veers off at the last minute with the tray in the background. It's just really <laughs> and him doing the like thing nice. about like oh yeah this human human tradition of charades the sacred thing that we have. It's mm-hmm. uh, he's he's for his good looking. 
as this guy is, he's he's just really funny. Uh, and his like yeah, yeah. timing on things is on fucking point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think everybody is is great here. Uh, I really like Chapel's stuff too. You know, with her <laughs> archaeological medicine uh, thing that she was going fellowship that she was going for. Um, I I think they did a pretty good job handling that too. You know, the the Vulcans are very kind of up their own ass about stuff. You know, they're Vulcans. Um, and she's not really able to hang with that in the way they want her to. But yeah. ultimately, she's getting more experience. She's out there in the field doing the work. She doesn't need this fellowship. Yeah. Yeah. I really like Chapel's character. She's very sympathetic. It's going to be wild rewatching the old series with this series in mind because, like, uh, mm-hmm. Chapel was always played in the old series as this person that had the kind of like the schoolgirl crush on Spock, and Spock was just completely aloof and, you know, didn't understand it. And, like, it's, it's going to come across as kind of cruel, I think, now when you rewatch it because it's this Spock playing dumb to a spurned lover, I guess. Yeah. Uh, d- d- like, ignoring the advances of somebody he's already been with. It's. Yeah, it's really yeah. weird. Just unless gaslight like, his memories shit. wiped, gaslighting his shit out of Nurse Chapel. Yeah, um, maybe they both go into some other anomaly and have their memories wiped, and now could be. Like I said, there's feelings, but lots of strange new worlds left. I hope because I just really am enjoying it. But yeah, her being able to like in your face that stuck up Vulcan Science Academy guy was very satisfying. Uh huh. As a human, as a human, you love seeing the the insufferable. And let's put it, they're racist. The, these these Vulcans, as depicted, are just the worst type of racist, mm-hmm. uh, the worst the worst type of prejudicial stereotype. You know, all humans smell funny, and they're uh, they they, they <laughs> oh, they're God. intellectually inferior, and they're emotional children, and it's just it's, it's all a bunch of gross shit. And it's nice to see them uh, get get called out for it, mm-hmm. get 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 fucked fucked over by it. I'm with you. All right, maybe we should get into the recap. Yes. Set phases to add. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Captain on bridge, welcome back to Baldy Go. Let's start off with uh, one of the two personal logs. It's Christine Chappell's personal log. Uh, she talks about how they're going to Vulcan to survey one of the moons, Kirkov. Uh, ancient civilization used to live there but has vanished but there's some strange energy signature and Captain Pike is giving them some downtime by traveling very slowly to this moon yeah um, I felt like someone slapped me when I heard the name of this moon because it sounds oh, yeah. so much like my actual very unusual sounding last name that it just like really took me aback <laughs> like this whole every time they're like saying that I'm from this civilization I'm like this is a this is a fucking trip um, yeah I wasn't gonna bring it up I was wondering if you were gonna talk about it because yeah I was feeling the same I was like wait wait yeah it's what? really it's it's really funny it's like oh my god I'm getting a trip I'm getting a Star Trek tribute um, but I <laughs> so we kind of expressed like what the fuck is archaeological medicine 
that seems kind of like a dodgy, weird concept. But the way they in in, in the way they depict it in this, it kind of makes sense. That if you got this uh, Milky Way galaxy that's littered with uh, advanced civilizations that have disappeared because they've been wiped out by a solar flare, or they've ascended to a higher plane of existence, which they kind of imply in this episode. Um, that would be a treasure trove. Like, why wouldn't you need archaeological techno engineers? And you'd probably want people, like, you know, because everyone's combing over for the technology. But like, what about med- advances in medical science and genetics and things like that? Like, it, it seems like mm-hmm. it is a valid branch. I just never. I'm like, well, why would anyone dig up Vulcan shit to find out? Like, don't don't Vulcans know their own history or? But, but like, yeah, it's this... very earth centric. Like, why would we go digging around in the dirt to try and find advanced medical practices? Well, we wouldn't. Right. But on other planets, you know, right. Crazy yeah. stuff like, could exist. Like completely disappeared civilizations that, you know, had a, a technological superiority. Or even if they didn't, they mm-hmm. had different, you know, compounds and ways of thinking and, de- and that you could glean into. That made a lot of sense. So it's a cool future Vulcans, job. How the Vulcans never checked out this moon? It's in it's their a moon system, of right? Vulcan, yeah. It's well, so Vulcan canonically doesn't have moons, but it's in the plan. It's in the, their planetary system. Um, and I actually tried to check this out. Of course, this is a case where I'm reviewing mm. this from the future. This is this is an episode that hasn't been publicly released yet. So I went to go to look on Memory Alpha, and it doesn't seem like it seems like there's only been two named planets in the Vulcan system: Vulcan and some other one that I didn't recognize. Vulcan and having moon. So I guess this is just some. And when they say Vulcan system, are they talking about like a solar type system, a star system, or are they talking like a Vulcan region of space? Well, I assume it's the Vulcan star system, which I think I I believe so, too. Um, Yeah. But it's yeah, the this this ancient hmm. civilization. But but you're right, yeah. Why you why would think within the, their star system they would they would be the ones to pinpoint the signus, energy signature, and they would have done it a long time ago. You'd think so. You'd think so. Yeah, I mean, it's as not far as logical. Civilizations they are they were at least light years ahead of us. But it's not logical to take a joyride through the Vulcan asteroid belt, Jim. So they just never bothered to. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, anyway, we see Chapel prepping for her interview with the. Uh, archaeological medicine fellowship by studying working out drinking with her friends while answering quiz questions the the weird thing about this is she's not practicing with spock which would be the natural choice and her friends all say yeah that's kind of weird and she's like yeah it's kind of weird but things are weird with us um and we'll we'll see a lot more about that here in a bit um but let's go over to spock's personal log He's dealing with his stress issues by cooking with Captain Pike and taking emotional suppressants. Uh, Apparently, humans stink. Humans stink. What do you think humans smell like? That's what I want to know. Because there's a lot of different stinks, right? It's sulfur, there are onions that make your eyes water, like... I'm guessing they're thinking our body odor, like the scent that Mm -hmm. our sweat glands make and particularly the bacteria that make when they feed upon our sweat, um, that that's probably distinct. They're just so sensitive to those scents that... Or like the Vulcans, because they live on an arid, dry planet. They have much higher body temperatures than us. I don't think they sweat as easily. So the idea that, you know, they just... Because I, I think there's even cultures and climates where uh, people naturally stink less. You know, you've got like uh, 
Um, I think like the 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 if, if you go back in time before we had air conditioning and heating, if you go back to like you know any kind of culture that's in a very cold condition, they're not taking baths a lot. They probably stank a lot. Um, and you got people mm. to live in in like hot climates and stuff. But I I think that there's some some um, you know varieties of human that have less hair and uh, are, are, are apt to sweat less, and they have a less natural odor. But apparently with Vulcans, it's just like so overpowering. Mm. Um, half of their mental energy is spent keeping their emotions in check and half is spent not gagging yeah. at human stench yeah and i you know i get because like i've been around people you know i've been to i've been to oh, yeah. gen con mm-hmm. i've been to magic the gathering tournaments i've been to places where there's some acrid ac- acrid smells from my from my fellow humans and it is a, it is a bit of an effort to like you know uh Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. I'll take three to the face there. Uh, it, it's a bit of effort to keep up the kind of the 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 whatever you're doing. So I kind of have, but also like this again. This is really really small minded of Vulcans, you know. Although I guess they're taking nasal suppressants. Well, he's he's taking suppressants for his emotions, and I think they are in nasal. Form right or no no no, no he specifically says yeah. nasal suppressants he's he's fully suppressing his 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 emotions and partially suppressing his nasals is this a thing uh, is this I a don't think so thing that he's doing throughout the entirety of his enterprise stay I wonder if they'll ever make it a point that like I no longer am taking my nasal suppressants because I've gotten used to human stink I don't know I don't know. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't have a scene where he goes around smelling humans and is just like happy he can't smell them. Well, I'm also like, is Sarek just like a true freak that he just like he's like all up in Amanda like, oh god, I love the waste. I mean, is, is he like, is he that way with it? Is and is is Spock going to be that way with Chapel? Is he going to be rolling around in his quarters, be like, oh god, oh, I gotta yeah. look, look, I I'm loving all this, but I gotta take, I gotta re up my nasal suppressants because, woo. Uh, it's, it's the opposite of every scene you see in movies where they smell the pillow after they leave. Yeah. He puts the pillow yeah. in the matter he, reclamation chamber. He does and it has a new one. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't even think they have those yet, but yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. I do think it's, and then again, Pike is so funny in this scene where, you know, he's trying to, you know, like trying to teach Spock how to cook and then realize that he can't smell anything, not even mm-hmm. like fresh ground basil or whatever. And, and I just like how Which... much Pike likes cooking. It's, it's funny. Yeah. Uh, so Spock talks to, to bring over comms here and she says she wants to have their ceremonial engagement dinner. He agrees, but he's preoccupied, uh, with thoughts of the dinner during his other duties. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. If there's much to say about this. We'll we'll get to the fun stuff with that. I, there, there's it's it's funny in contrast to see the scene of like all the crew laughing or whatever their version of Tin Ford was called, and like everyone's just like losing their shit laughing, and they pan around to Spock, and he's just sitting there with one eyebrow cocked, mm-hmm. and uh, also like when Pike observes him being distracted, and he just deadpans this uh, this you know situation with my mother in law is as you humans say a big deal it's just mm. i don't know man it's uh it's a lot of brent spiner data in some of this performance and i ate it up yeah they're reminding us just how buttoned up he is so the later in the episode the contrast will be more apparent and it, it sure as hell is uh so pike has spock pilot the shuttle to the moon and nurse chapel is going to go along the shuttle ride is pretty awkward 
Chapel tries to talk about it, but their mission distracts them. And they find that the energy signature is actually a rupture in space-time, which sucks them in. And Spock awakens to find out that he's now 100% fully human. Including his messy hair? I I don't understand the change in hair necessarily, it's but okay. very subtle. It's very uh-huh. subtle. Uh, human hair just naturally more untamable than Vulcan. I don't know. Yeah, the, the hair's got emotions too. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it does. Uh-huh. Uh, it, the, the the crazed emotional state comes out through the hair follicles in humans. Hmm. Uh, I like the smash cut from you know him realizing what he, and he goes what the f-? and it just goes right to the credit sequence. Yeah, yeah, classy, good stuff. Uh, classier than Picard. True. Hard to believe. So. Una and Lon are investigating the shuttle that Spock and Chapel were on. Seems like everything's in perfect shape. No problems. There is, however, a device they left on board, which is an alien communication device. And Pike uses it to contact the aliens. They say, we did you guys a solid. We fixed Spock's DNA by unmixing it. They took out the Vulcan part of his DNA. Yeah, it's like we found two people and they look like they're supposed to match, but one of them was 50% mixed up, so we unmixed them. We took all the Vulcan stuff out, um, which, hmm. I wonder, that's the thing, it's like some of this like genetics, like if you take 50% out of someone's genetic code and replace it with human DNA and they, they and the only thing that's different about them is the rounded ears and slightly messier hair and slightly pinker skin, mm-hmm. like really? It doesn't fuck with your facial structure, your bone structure? Nothing, nothing else. It just looks just like Gregory P- or yeah. Ethan Peck the whole time, huh? Okay. Seems but, like uh, it. Man, uh, I love the way I that these was, guys... I thought there was a skin tone difference that there sh- should there, probably have happened, but I don't think they really did it. No, he's definitely pinker. He's definitely... He? Okay. They, they, li- they lay off the, the green bronze kind of thing uh, uh, on this episode, but it was never as pronounced as they got with, like, Leonard no. Des Moines in the old Not days. Not even close. Um... But I don't know. I, I like the fact that this, um, the 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 these aliens, these Krakovians, have like the manner of like they're the opposite of the people trying to always contact you about your car's warranty. It's like, hey, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah, we get it. There's a fender bender. Uh, we completely restored your vehicle and the occupants, and there's no there's no need no need to contact us anymore. Uh, no mm-hmm. need for no need for thank you or it's like this weird isolationist, in, extra dimensional race that nevertheless realizes that every once in a while lesser beings are going to stumble into our highway and get hurt and yeah we probably should fix them but I don't know yeah it's it's a, there are weird assumptions being made by these aliens about what's natural and what's not and like it, it, it's like if you got in a fender bender in an SUV and they were like uh, and you hit another you hit like a sedan and they were like well your SUV got all fucked up because now it has truck parts on it. So we took the truck parts off and made it a car. Right. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, they're they're making an awful lot of assumptions about humans being the standard default of mm-hmm. life forms, especially when they themselves are nothing like the humans. I don't know. That's reminded me of like, uh, is it the Zokfot pick in Star Control Two? The the beings that live in a uh, a gas cloud. And they all like they're they're they they all give themselves names after colors and textures like this is yellow oh, versus blue and 
but they yeah. all look the same because uh, I thought I got a kick out of like yellow showing up in their blue and then blue shows up in their blue. I, I don't know. I then. Yeah. The fact like how does the universal translator even work? We have some feedback about that. Uh-huh. But how, how, how does the how does the universal translator even work in these type of conditions? You know, like what yeah. what commonality do you have? But I, I guess at some point the Kirkovians were ev- unevolved beings were corporeal beings. Yeah, possibly. Because they lived on a planet and they had this, like, they they didn't die or they're not missing. They just ascended to another interdimensional plane. But Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I I, like, I I love, I love a truly strange alien alien. Yeah, I do too. Uh, So let's get to the good parts of this episode. Spock is experiencing some human emotions. He's worried about this engagement dinner. Um, Pike's trying to cover for him by saying by telling to bring that he was in an accident and they postponed the dinner. And so he goes about his duties, enjoying his new human powers of emotion and smell. But I would say he goes a little too hard. Classic Star Trek, you know, when you have yes. this person with a, a change in state that just has wild shifts in her behavior. The fact that he like I, I love him just putting away so much bacon. <laughs> I mean, shit, I would do that if I didn't realize the consequence. Right? Like, it's like, oh, my God, it's crispy and soft and salty and savory and sweet. And it's just like, you just can't get enough bacon. He's just just, uh, just putting away so much bacon. Mm-hmm. He's he's laughing at all the jokes, but, you know, a little too hard. It's it's like Data. It's a lot like Data getting his emotion chip activated. That's, it's, that's a very good comparison. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he's just too much. Like, he's laughing a little yeah. too hard. Um, like he's with Lon and he's trying to like level with her, but then he becomes intensely aroused just by being around her. And she's like, Whoa, you need to learn how to do impulse control. He's it's, uh-huh. it's, it's, uh, like horny teenage Spock because he's never yeah. been through a human puberty before. And, and the rage, the rage that comes out. I, so, so, okay, here's what I was thinking during these scenes. I'm like, all right, this is an opportunity for Spock to, truly explore the nature of his feelings for nurse chapel because he can now feel what i think are the same feelings he felt before but he can he can actually acknowledge them and react to them and he doesn't have to try and suppress them uh and the same would apply i guess to his love for bacon and also his hatred of sam kirk <laughs> i How sl- what a slobby is he fucking hates this guy. Like he's been biting his Vulcan tongue to the Don't, point of severing it over the course of these years he spent on the ship with that man. The, when he when he screams, "Don't test me, Kirk! I will break, <laughs> I will break you. you!" Over his lack of busting his own table. Oh my god, uh-huh. it's so funny. Yeah, this so, guy's lucky he's a Vulcan because if not, he would have been broken. So, so I got a question. Mm-hmm. All my Star Trek fan life, I've heard from Vulcans that it's not that they don't have emotions. In fact, their emotions are so much uh-huh. stronger and deeper than humans. And that's why they've had to suppress them, because otherwise they turn yeah. into like Romulans who yep. are also not demonstrative <laughs> people. <laughs> right. They're just I'm calling awful. a giant cap on all of Vulcan because the second Spock gets human emotions, he's a fucking insane person. If. Like, this should mm. be even easier if he downgrades from Vulcan to fully human and, like, his 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 intense Vulcan emotions aren't there. Like, 
it's got to be a lie, right? Like human, like yeah. this is a this is a cope that Vulcans are on. That oh, our emotions are just so fucking strong. We have to ruthlessly control them, and you humans mm-hmm. couldn't possibly like it's that's that's a whole bunch of bullshit. This episode is is demonstrable proof. Yeah, this feels like a collective mythology that the Vulcans have come up with to make themselves seem more badass than they actually are. Yeah, a just so story to explain why they are uniquely qualified to be the best people in the galaxy, apparently. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I've seen episodes that are contrary to that, right? Uh, there have been times where Spock has had his emotions surface for various reasons mm-hmm. where they are intensely powerful, at least as powerful. And or like Sarek when he is losing his mind yes. and like now he doesn't uh-huh. have any Vulcan control and it's just, yeah. Yeah, so maybe there that's uh, con- evidence to the contrary. But that's also a diseased Vulcan mind. So like, well, he's also fully human here. I mean, we can't we can't forget that he's not Vulcan anymore, right? So right like, at all, he's reacting to these emotions as a human would. And if we are weak, pathetic-minded, uh, emotionally driven people, then you know we would react to these weaker versions of emotions with stronger reactions. So I guess that's my question: is like, how much of Vulcan's control is physiological, and how much? Because I was just always at discipline. You know, and that's that's yeah, the one too. thing that kind of bothered me is that like it's almost like Spock forgot everything about being a Vulcan. You know, like the, like there's this one scene where the crew mm-hmm. has to like, explain to him how to talk and speak as a Vulcan. I'm like, mm-hmm. wouldn't you just from a muscle member? Like, do you know not? Do you not know how you talk? But yeah. like his whole brain's been restructured, so maybe not. I I don't I don't know. It's it's mm-hmm. uh it's very science fiction fantasy type concept we're dealing with here, and it yeah. seems like. They always rolled with whatever is funniest, you know, like we're uh, just going to go with whatever's funniest. It doesn't matter if it doesn't strictly make sense. And that that's honestly probably the call to make. Yeah, it was fine. I don't have any huge problems with canon here. Uh, let's uh, you mentioned the scene where Spock talks to Lon about his humanness. Um, she tells him to work on his impulse control. I think he's going to over the course of this episode. I was curious why he talks to Lon about this, though. Is this the person you want to be talking to about this? Not Mbenga, not like Pike, not anybody who's well within his sort of uh, sphere of confidence. I, I, it made sense to me because I feel like Laan is probably the closest in Vulcan temperament. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, like she seems to keep herself at a pretty high level of reserve and remove. Um so maybe but I, I thought that was weird too and the only thing I could think of is they he saw her as simpatico in some way um, mm-hmm. that maybe Pike and Mbinga and obviously can't talk about it with Chapel would be it felt like just to give her something to do honestly because you're could gonna be have, that too you know Ortegas and her out on the shuttle with uh, Chapel later yeah it, no, Una makes... and Lon felt very like background characters in this that makes a lot of sense too uh, Chapel's having no luck on a cure for Spock. You know, whatever cure means in this scenario, turning it back into a Vulcan. She feels responsible for his condition, got a lot of survivor's guilt here, and she forgets about her interview and then remembers and runs off to go to it. Yes. I don't have anything else to add to that. Okay, perfect. Uh, the, the Vulcan in charge of Chapel's interview is unimpressed with her application and she tells him well look at my field work I've got a huge body of field work and he's like mm, interesting and he signs off 
very abruptly. This guy seems like a real dick. Yeah. Like, even more so than our typical Vulcan. He feels vindictive in a way that Vulcans shouldn't. Like, they need to examine him. They need to look at his credentials and see whether he still deserves a position. Yeah. It does seem like this seems very... A, a theme that runs through Star Trek is that Vulcans have a kind of... Like, the the like at best, Vulcans are bemused by human conduct, but, like, there's mm-hmm. a strong distaste for... Uh, and maybe some jealousy that, like, you know, like, Starfleet and the Federation was kind of, like, the Vulcans' idea, and it seems like humans uh-huh. just came and, like, yeah, well, we're gonna run it now. Um, and maybe there is some, like feeling like they got surpassed by these up jump apes from the, the earth has caused especially the ones that are more traditional it always seems like the yeah. more traditional vulcans that have the biggest problems but it's a real superiority complex in those vulcans but even he's like you know like i it's a little much for me to think that like vulcans are rewarded for rote memorization at this kind of like post-doctorate level Mm -hmm. like you know that like we don't want to hear you reformulating to under to to see that you understand it we want to hear our words regurgitated exactly back to us and we only value this rote memorization your field work and your in and and your your natural uh uh surmising and all that we don't give a shit about that like i'll glance at that and then hangs up on her Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he's a as 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 Spock says, Vulcans can be real dicks, or I forget exactly what he said. Uh-huh. He yeah. said, "What what did he say? Did he say they're dick? They can be real dicks, or they can be real assholes? Like, I feel like he said something very vulgar. Probably he's human. Yeah, uh, in the next scene with with Chapel. Yeah, uh, yeah, he runs into her in the corridor and sees that she's worried. Uh, so he hugs her. In like a real awkward but meaningful way, you know he's he's trying his best as a new human, um, and, and I think Chapel's into it. Chapel's liking the the slaps on the arm and the touchy feely nature, and him making jokes, and she likes this about yeah. him, the new Spock. Yeah. She's definitely like Spock. I it's weird because he he took a lot of bro energy. You know, it very much felt like a guy who is just like, yeah, slapping her on the shoulder, giving her awkward hug. It's like, no acknowledgement that there is deeper feelings there. Yeah, there's it's still very awkward between them. Yeah. Because there are those feelings. But but in a different, in a way that was different than what I, I guess I was expecting. Gotcha. But it's hard to say. Yeah, it's hard to say exactly what because, you know, uh, a bombshell's dropped on him, which is your mother has beamed the board. Uh huh. Yeah, everything's about to change. Uh, Spock's mom beams bored, and he has to try and pretend to be Vulcan still by wearing some silly hat. Uh, while she tries to convince him to go through with the engagement dinner, and she says it's going to be tomorrow night on the Enterprise, which is a real problem. Uh, Spock gets angry. He wants to cancel the dinner. He ends up showing his emotions, and his mom realizes he's human. Oops. Uh, and this is where I started to realize what this episode was going to be and was like, okay, I'm into this. I like if you're doing a you know, sort of weird riff on Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, but with like a comedy bent, it, I, I'm into it. Let's see what you got, Star Trek. Um, So I, 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 I really like this version of Spock's mom 
you know i've seen i think four or five different versions at this point you know you had the original series you had Spock's stepmom in the next generation she obviously winona ryder in the jj abrams reboots i thought this was a pretty good one uh mia kirshner uh she's a canadian actress has done a bunch of different stuff would you care to guess how old she is i'm gonna do this all season long because it's never not blows my mind well i'm gonna say 40 every time all right, she's forty fucking eight years old. Forty eight years old. She's ten years older Damn. than Ethan Peck, who's playing now. And I'm wondering, like, do these ages actually match up? Because canonically, I think Spock is really like he's like in his sixties. Oh, right. Well, no, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I think so, because like, so like, because because Vulcans age very very slowly. So she'd and be like eighty something. Yeah, she's, a human, she, she's fully human, so it's she's not like fully she's human. got slow aging Vulcan. I genes. mean, I think that like humans live a lot longer, and the especially the next generation, because we saw mm-hmm. like uh, Doctor McCoy was like I don't know 140, 150 years old, but he was also <laughs> he looked, looked ancient. He looked <laughs> yeah. like old, uh, yeah, Yoda at nine nine hundred years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. They're doing like I think this. I mean, I, I just I don't know what they're doing up in Canada that they are just staying so fucking youthful. But I thought it's shocking that she's 48 and it I felt like it looked like she's the same age as Spock and is not far off. But hmm. it's cryopods. Um, they also don't stink in Canada like most humans do. True. True. It's all the maple syrup. It counteracts the mm-hmm. uh, the natural that's stink. That, nice, uh, sweet smell. The yeah. rest of us have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, clean living so, and maple syrup is how the Canadian and, and, and universal health care probably doesn't hurt either yeah yeah I'm sure that helps uh, Pike and Spock and his mother all talk about the intricacies of this Vulcan wedding stuff uh, you have to apparently make the family's tea recipe and his mother volunteers to teach him how to be human by lying and they give him fake Vulcan ears teach so him to talk fucking funny <laughs> it is so, so bad the ears it, it's so funny to see ethan peck handed what are probably his actual prosthetic uh-huh. ears and like har har we're gonna make you up to look and i i fucking it's, it's such a cheap trick but it's so funny in context i love it i love it the stuff i love is giving giving the actor a chance to act poorly like he's trying yes. like during this mind meld stuff he's trying to act like he knows what he's seeing here yeah. even though he can't see it and i think it's hilarious he doesn't he's taking direction from other people and he just can't uh-huh. fucking do it you know he's trying to and can we talk about him showing up in the space hat oh my god and his mom's like what are you wearing that ridiculous hat for it's like it's regulation, regulation. and pike and pike without missing a beat yeah i've got one just like it it's <laughs> oh my god oh uh yeah. i want to see mouth. pike in that hat before the end of the season it will be Dude. a failure if we don't Mr. Mount is doing some just world-class uh, supporting acting work on the show that he stars in. I tell you what, mm-hmm. it's he is one of the reasons so much of this stuff works because he is just selling everything, and it's so so funny. <laughs> and Spock's facial muscles spasming as as uh, his mom keeps dropping on bad news, like, "Hey, we can't delay this dinner anymore." Her mom's getting cold feet. She's going to call off the whole thing. He's like, mm-hmm. "Oh my, my facial muscles are spasming. It's from the the wreck." <laughs> It's really uh, nerve damage. Yeah, it's it's really funny. Yeah, uh, good, good scenes here. It, it, there's apparently a festivist style airing of grievances uh, that's going to happen during this, and the fake mind meld that we kind of mentioned. Yeah, and those the, will all be the awareness hilarious. ritual. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, parents, but Vulcan parents must love the awareness ritual where uh, I'm just going to take 60 seconds to talk shit about you and tell you all of your flaws, you know, so you can improve. Yeah, it's very Vulcan. Uh, Chapel's procedures aren't working because apparently Spock's condition is becoming permanent and they're running out of time. They only have a day to make the cure work. She decides desperately she's going to go ask the Kirkovians to change him back. And she recruits Ortegas and Uhura to pilot yeah, I, her back there. I, I, I love the Trekno babble here. The his cellular plasticity is starting to get rigid. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's a he's a blob of resin that's starting to cure on the shelf. You know, it's like ah, oh, you can only be yeah. flexible for another another couple of hours, and then he's just going to turn into uh whatever hard re- Vulcan resin. But uh, yeah, whatever. It's uh, <laughs> I guess so. Also, like. I don't know if it. The, I, the other thing is like by the end of the episode when they go back to the aliens, like obviously there's no plasticity to unplastic for the aliens to fix because I'm pretty sure Spock mm-hmm. was pretty fucking calcified as half Vulcan, half human when he rolled into their rift. So that's it's, what I'm wondering. They give her a cure, but they don't. They don't just like magically change Spock back. They give her a solution that she injects that will turn. Oh, that's him back. true. That's so true. Like, they didn't have to. So they probably could have brought him into the body shop, but she. They gave her a medical advance. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if I'm Chapel, I'm at least saving a little bit of that to examine, so that if we ever need to go on an away mission where we all need to be Vulcans, we can like actually turn ourselves into Vulcans. We don't have to do the fake ears and shit like that. Well, no, I think that's surgery. Well, the wild thing is, is like, I think that's what they would have done because Mbinga says like, we can't give you Vulcan ears genetically because it will interfere with the genetic therapy that nurse chapel is trying to do. So we're just going to glue on ears, but like also how many, how how many Federation laws did they break altering Spock's DNA? Oh, a ton. But is there a loophole that, is there, a, is there a loophole that like, well, you're actually restoring him to his original condition? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. The, Star Trek is so conflicted on this because many times I see team away, away teams going on missions where they can't modify their internals and they say, hey, if we get caught on scans, we'll be detected. But what oh, we can constantly. do is plastic surgery. Yeah. Like that look the, like like oh, I'm going to put ridges on my nose to look like a Bajoran or something right, like that. Right. Or like with that one thing where, Cardassian. Where, where Riker landed on the planet and they did up his face, mm-hmm. but his organs and like he's wearing gloves so his fingers don't look yeah, like seems like it seems like Federation kind of half asses some of these first contact. <laughs> yeah, um, or, hey, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Crusher just isn't as good of a doctor as Mbinga is. Yeah, if if the red, if the red or blue won't fix whatever, she's uh-huh. like, I don't know. Go, go, go. Have the barber make the, the blue barber guy will cut your hair and make you up. Okay, that's the best I can offer. Yeah, a hundred years of the future, they've lost a lot of the the knowledge they had because the red and blue basically solves everything for them. True. True. That is the ultimate archaeological find. <laughs> yeah, they're going to find that <laughs> next season. The red and the blue. God, that'd be such a good... That would, would be, be such a good cut. They don't even have... Don't be explicit about it and not be like, uh-huh. oh, this is the red and this is the blue, but like over the course of a season, just have them find these archaeological medicine things. And then there's just just, just, just giant six-gallon jar of both and Mimbinga's uh, sickbay uh-huh. just shows up. Yeah. Yeah, I would love that. <laughs> Red alert, here comes an ad break. Let's boldly go back to the episode. Welcome back to Baldly Go. 
Uh, boy, where were we here? Oh yeah, the the shuttle. Um, so we we just talked about how Ortega and her are gonna pilot her back to the anomaly, uh, and then we go back to Spock, who's nervous about the the dinner party. Oh, wait um, a second, can we? Yeah, can we talk about like? How many episodes of Strange New Worlds is rogue groups of officers stealing things to do their own mission? Like, can they keep getting away with this? Because at some point, yeah. like, would Pike would if they ran this by Pike, would Pike say no? No, of course not. So, like, why not just run it by the cat? Like, I, I'm I'm getting a little. This, it seems like this ship mm-hmm. is a little too slapdash. That like any collection of ensigns and ensigns and second lieutenants can commandeer a spacecraft for whatever purpose they want, and it's like, oh, don't let the you know, don't let it's, it's kind of like don't let dad find out. But like, I think dad, dad. could find out; it would be cool with it. So, same thing happens in DS Nine a lot. People do will they really take round or roundabout runabouts to go do things without asking Cisco? And I'm like, why? He would give you permission. Because mm. when they do ask him, he always does. Yeah, because like the old series of Next Generation, can you imagine like Wesley and Jordy and I don't mm-hmm. know Deanna just commandeering a shuttle and doing something with like yeah. without Picard and Riker knowing? No fucking yeah. way would that fly. <laughs> Barkley and uh, <laughs> uh, Ashley. You can Judd's do shit on a holodeck without official permission, but uh-huh, taking yeah. a shuttle. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe ask the guy in charge. Uh, yeah, so Spock is nervous. The dinner party's arriving. To bring beams aboard, and Spock escorts her to his quarters, where she's talking about how much her mother is annoying her, and reminds Spock that everything has to go perfectly. Uh, I'm gonna say her outfit. You know, she had a three-hour debate about it with her mother. Pretty spectacular. This is a great yeah. outfit. I'm loving the. I, I think it's metallic shoulder uh, mm-hmm. pads and whatever's going on with her collar. That stuff is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, she's uh, always stunning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then T'Bring's mother arrives at the dinner, and this is where things get real tense. Um, this whole time, Spock, you know, has been trying to act like a Vulcan with his pasted-on ears. She asks what's wrong with Spock, and he says, oh, there's nerve damage. I singe my eyebrows. Yeah, they are looking <laughs> a little funny. <laughs> See all three Vulcans lean in to scrutinize his eyebrows and presumably ears. The way he comes back with, oh, Captain Pike has worked all night on Vulcan delicacies. Just uh-huh. the, the way he did that line reading was so fucking funny. Well, I... So, oh, so I love the eyebrows thing because it, it's always been a little bit weird because what they did is they shave down they do Nimoy's the side of his eyebrows yeah. and put them into you know a V shape right and, but you could always see that his eyebrows were shaved off there yeah he's got like it, five just, o'clock just eyebrow hint. shadow yeah it, yeah and so I feel like this is making fun of that kinda I think uh and I I don't know if they do better makeup job now with Spock where his eyebrows yeah. you know are covered over better but in this episode there was definitely a hint of the eyebrows uh, they got some uncanny valley shit happening with his sideburns now like oh man those things are faded into like oblivion and then darkened back in uh-huh. I, I, every time I see his sideburns it's 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 weird um, yeah, I it's love Vulcan. T'Pril's husband I forget this guy's name it starts with an S um, yeah I don't know his name 
I got it at some point, but uh, yeah, he he's just horfing down this food. Like you know, Pike has made this this Vulcan delicacy and it's just traditional thing, and you can tell it's like really good even by Vulcan standards. Mm-hmm. But his 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 mom, uh, Tapril, takes one look at it and it's like, oh, you can't hardly say this is traditional if it's done like this and just shits Spirals all over it. Too tight, yeah. And then her husband comes back with like, oh, now that I'm noticing, yes, this is entirely inappropriate. Oh, I was, you know, (laughs) yeah, he does that a few times where he's just like totally reverses course in his opinion because she says something. So so she's like the the contrarian, impossible to please. He's just like kind of go with the flow. Plus, he's political. About like these they, they, the, the whole, um, you know, because Amanda uh, goes on the ship, Spock's mom, and like lays it all down. It's like, yeah, he is hungry. He is like trying to power through because he wants this relationship because he wants the association with Sarek, who is this big swinging yeah, yeah. dick and Vulcan politics. And her mother hates humans. So, like, mm-hmm. there's this tension between this guy obviously wants this relationship to work because he's ambitious. But he also is completely afraid of his wife. So anytime, like he's trying to steer the needle between getting sticking this landing and also not making his home life complete hell any more than yeah. it already is. Because I just this woman, oh my god, oh, she's too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be hard to live under the same roof. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, they, they. This is a common thread in Star Trek too with mismatched marriages. I think True. of O'Brien and Keiko. I oh think my of Worf God. and Jadzia are like the prime example of that shit. Is it that bad? Because I when I think O'Brien oh, and yeah. Keiko are hard <laughs> to bad. beat. Like they just, it just uh-huh. seems like she hates him and he loves her, and she should just divorce him because he's just this big dumb transporter oaf. And yeah, he loves her until he starts talking shit about her. Like it's it's hot and cold with him for sure. Like they like any time like if Data had to chase her down and convince her to marry, like that that should have been I was off on this relationship from the very yeah. fucking beginning. You know how seen... many times they have had to convince Worf and Jedzia to get married? Every character Nog has convinced them at this point. Every <laughs> fucking character has had oh to go to God. them and say, No, you should definitely get married. I know you're completely incompatible. Dude, I gotta finish my Deep Space Nine rewatch. I'm missing out. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Uh even when you don't agree with the character's decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so Pike serves these hors d'oeuvres. They're judged pretty harshly by Tapring's mother. She just wants the ritual to begin. She's just here to shit all over this marriage, find fault with Spock. Um, and then Chapel, Ortegas, and Nuhura go to the anomaly and decide to fly inside. We get a Jurassic Park line reference here hold on to your butts <laughs> is that jurassic park or oh that's jurassic park i mean sam jackson coined that phrase true never been uttered before it was pinned in jurassic park hold on um, to your butts why would she say hold on to your butts i mean it's something you hold on to if you're a human going through a in a spatial an- an- anomaly um i i did I, like I, so. <laughs> I, I did i did like um uh, 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 Erica pointing out the absurdity of some of these Star Star Trek uh, analogies when you know that someone will say you know it's it's like uh, 
it's like a stone skipping over a, 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 a stream or, you know, when they're talking about warp drive or something. And she's like, you know, I hate when you use these analogies because they never turn out right. She's like, what if it's like the ocean mm-hmm. where it's like a it's like a, a tumultuous surface, but you go through it. And it's nice and easy. It's like, why would a fucking interdimensional rift work anything like the ocean? <laughs> and I, yeah. someone finally fucking said it, but then also uh-huh. said, you know, who am I? I'm Eric Ortega. So am I going to be the person who says we shouldn't do the cool maneuver? So mm. yeah, it's uh they're really I I don't know. There's something really they're really striking the right balance between self-awareness and classic yes. Trek bullshit that I think boy, it seems like you could go way too far in either direction, but they mm-hmm. are just walking it perfect, I think. I like what they did here very subtly by not doing something because there's an opportunity Mm. here to point out some differences between some of these crew members going into this anomaly again right uh uhura looks conspicuously different than the other two uh they do not acknowledge that in any way whatsoever which i think is both a smart move and commentary i feel like they're saying it's one human race this is not this is not a difference that is yeah a difference without a distinction is what it is yeah, that's actually a good point. That when we're talking about Vulcans and Klingons, we're actually talking about people who are genetically distinct. They are a truly different, different species. species. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, all, we're all Homo sapien here. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was intentional commentary, but maybe not. Maybe they just didn't consider it. It works. I agree. And it also, we I mean, I, we haven't pointed this out, but like them going through this rift is as lovely of an effect shot like as anything you know every time I, I see this like I think of what it would look like in the next generation where you're like well uh, I get it it's supposed to be a subspace rift but it looks like shit this just, shit, this just all looks just like yeah that's exactly what a subspace rift would look like and as the like shuttle kind of yeah. rolls through it's just like there's constantly these flourishes and stuff they never could get with the models and never got with like especially the early days of I don't know how you think about the the early switch away from models to CG, but I always thought that like some of the earlier seasons of TNG looked better than some of the later seasons, even though you had so many more ships and stuff, but because they were models and the CG mm-hmm. just wasn't quite there. And now it's just like everything just looks rock solid all the time. Yeah. I just got to some big dominion battles in DS nine. Mm-hmm. And I will say by the time they get to the end of DS nine, it's pretty solid worked it out okay yeah but but you're right the stuff in tng can be dodgy from time to time yeah but this i I mean this is you know modern visual effects stuff that looks amazing Mm -hmm. this show look i'm not going to say it's foundation or anything and how good it looks but it has its moments for sure picard never looked this good like Picard, no. actually, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of stuff. It, <laughs> yeah. Picard looked like a cheaper show uh, in a lot of ways, but this they are sparing no expense. Um, or maybe they just didn't have one actor who was sucking up ninety percent of the budget. I don't know, but for whatever reason, the standard level of fit and finish on this show is better than. I don't know. Disco is beautiful too. I remember some of those first few seasons. Mm-hmm. Some of the like battles and action shots were also jaw droppingly gorgeous. But uh, they got to dial in. They got to dial in for the show. And as an old science fiction fan, I will never not be amazed at how good things look nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely don't take it for granted yet, uh, at least in this setting. So the ritual begins, and Spock serves tea. Um, The thing that struck me about this is they've gone all this trouble 
prosthetically to make him look Vulcan. Mm-hmm. They don't have some kind of heat resistant material they could coat his hands in. Make this a little easier on the poor guy. That's a damn good question. Yeah. Yeah. 20 what fourth century science can't do anything about temper and temperature differentials it gave him a really good it's it's set up for his mom the revelation that spock makes about his mom the fact that like how painful how much she oh, loves yeah. her family because of how much pain she's willing to endure at the hands of these vulcans and her yep you know like this is essentially like you've seen all those kung fu movies where one of the last initiates sees has to carry a cauldron of coils uh, a cauldron of coils or coals are red hot and it like brands his arms as he moves it like that's essentially what they're doing here and she just takes it mm-hmm. like it's nothing because she's had so much practice or John you know, Claude Van Damme having his crotch ripped yeah ripped open by his 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 mystic trainer uh-huh. I, I yeah I, I don't know it, it, it worked out really well to have the theme of Spock appreciating his mother in a way that he never did before I agree yeah, this this is a twofold, a two prong attack on the emotional side of Spock that I think works really well. Yeah, and a couple other things like I want to call out um, the uh, Captain Pike's green tunic that kind of harkens back to some of Kirk's alternate looks. I actually really mm-hmm. like when Star Trek does this, where you get the idea that a Starfleet officer might have like an A class uniform, B class uniform dress. You know, like there's it's not like you just see them lounge around in the same thing every day. Um, mm. And I, in particular, I forgot to call this out back during the episode where, you know, Uno was put on trial. But the dress uniforms on this show are some of the best I've ever seen in Star Trek. Like everything feels really well thought out mm. and like a modern military's, you know, progression of like your you know your 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 battle dress uniform versus your work slops versus your actual dress uniform versus your classes like i there, there's a lot more continuity and you know where in TNG it's like everyone just wore the same thing and maybe you get a change up between seasons or maybe Picard would get a slightly fancier jacket i like how everything you know they just like yeah again the mm-hmm. the budget that they're spending on the outfits um is so much better and i, and I like it yeah i agree pike looks good in green do you know there's talk uh, of Kirk's typical uniform not actually being yellow? That it was green, in fact, and that the lighting was the thing that made it look yellow on screen? That's weird. Maybe? Yeah, I've heard that's a Because he actually had a, a green tunic that, he like, did, attached yeah. at the side. But uh-huh. they're saying the gold velour command uniform is actually green? That's what I've heard. Yeah, I mean, I've although seen... it's it's tough to know fifty years, fifty sixty now uh, after yeah. the airing of it, because like stuff yellows and age is weird and, and right decolors in a strange way with age, right? But I mean, I've, there's been many cases where they've shown like because things didn't quite show up on the cameras, and then back oh, yeah. at, like in the black and white era is wild. If you've ever seen like the garish colors they paint the set to get the exact right shade of gray. If uh-huh. you've seen like the Munsters or the Adams Family in like col- the, those sets in color, it's like psychedelic. Um, so it would make sense, but no, I never heard that. That's and they that's were doing a lot of weird stuff with lighting on that show anyway, because like all the walls, you think of them as like being real colorful. They were slate gray. They were they were just mm-hmm. straight gray, and they did mm-hmm. all of that coloring with lighting. They did a lot of like so, gel lights and like like multicolor yeah. lights that kind of like ooh, it's science fiction and everything. Yeah, uh huh. So I could see it being like a weird lighting thing. Interplay color that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's just a side note. 
uh, let's go to Chapel, uh, her crew finding themselves in interdimensional space. And they ask this alien, this Kirkovian blue, to fix their mistake, but it's a pretty unusual situation. And so Chapel asks to speak to speak to Blue's manager, Yellow. She goes full exactly. Karen here. That's what I that's what I had in my notes. She wanted to uh-huh. talk to Blue's manager. <laughs> the complaint outside the response period, most irregular. Yeah, what's the response period? Is that that initial contact? I don't like, yeah, it must be like you get 24 hours to complain about any alterations and then get the fuck out mm-hmm. of here. Yeah, it feels very like insurance policy, it like, does. like you said with a car wreck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then let's go back over to the ritual. It continues with the airing of grievances. Uh, to Pring's mother just tears Spock a new emotional asshole. And his and mom, too, disrespects his yeah. mom. Because Amanda's yeah. like, you know, Tapring, I would like to see you visit more, and you should have more self-confidence. And his dad's, like, super supportive, and then her mom comes out, your human instincts are interfering with uh, this improvement process. And mm-hmm. the way she pointedly starts the clock, like, she is going to pack as much awareness into Spock's minute as she can, and Spock, like, trying not to have facial spasms. Is really good, <laughs> yeah. And I, I kind of buy the like if you're if you're all about divorcing yourself from the emotion of the criticism here. Criticism can be an important part of improving yourself. I don't know if this criticism yes. is particularly helpful, right? But I guess in her you know Vulcan addled mind, it makes sense to her. No, you can see this being a beautiful, like, a p- part of a complete ceremony where, you know, you have this, like, you the, the male demonstrates that he has taken an interest in your family enough to master the subtle intricacies of your particular family's tea recipe and ritual. And both parents are able to share their concerns, uh, their private concerns with their children and the ways they could, they think they could do better. And But the, he, she's just doing, she's attacking things that he, that fundamentally Spock can't change. Like, Spock's half-human. And he's yeah. got a human mother. Fucking deal with it. And you can't improve that, right? Well, and the fact that like Spock and Sarek are kind of at a rift in this era in their relationship, and she goes mm-hmm. in on that and's like, oh, "Your yeah. father is correct to have shunned you. You have failed him as a son. You do not deserve our daughter." Like, fuck you, lady. Yeah. And Spock, yeah, fully rough. human, does not it withstands it. Withstands it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, at least long enough to excuse himself to the bathroom and scream into a towel. Oh my god. Uh the what the I, I was laughing so hard because he's like, May I use the bathroom? And like Tapril is like, uh, oh, he should have a more oh resilient Vulcan bladder. <laughs> That's that the best is line just, in the episode. That is just such a funny fucking line. <laughs> and then Spot going to his quarters and and punch dancing his emotions out and then screaming into a bath towel. Uh-huh. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's just yeah, like it reminds absolutely. me of like uh, Andy Samberg and Hot Rod the movie. You know, his 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 him punch dancing his feelings out. Nice. Mm. God, it's been ages since I've seen that. Oh, by the way, yeah. If you if you think you listen to this podcast, like I I think Aaron's humor is a lot like mine. And you haven't seen it, please watch Hot Rod the movie, starring Andy Samberg. It's so fucking funny, criminally under underrated. Yeah, 
is before he got big with like Lonely yes. Island and stuff, this, right? Yeah, this is. But is all the Lonely Island guys there? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, one uh, one of them starring and one of them's behind uh, writing and directing. It's just oh, it's so good, so good. Uh, yeah, so he then calls Mbenga to ask how the cure is going, and Mbenga tells Spock that uh, Chapel went to the anomaly to ask for help because we got no idea what to do. Uh, and then we go over to Chapel, who tells the manager, oh, I think you guys made a mistake. The receipt's wrong. Uh, Yellow tells her that Spock's only a friend, so she doesn't really have grounds to complain. Uh, and apparently... Spock, we find out that Spock chose to protect her in the crash by diverting the shields to her side of the shuttle. And so Chapel's forced here to confess and prodded by her friends. Like, seriously, Christine, come on. Uh, confess her feelings for Spock to try to convince Yellow to put Spock back to normal. It is wild because, like, you know, it. I think Chapel's trying to do the right thing. You know, she's got complicated feelings for mm-hmm. Spock, not because her feelings are complicated, because the situation is complicated. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to pussyfoot around and didn't want to just smash cuts to Ortegas and or her uh, being like, oh my God, did you just say that you like Spock? <laughs> uh, yeah. It's funny to see these junior Starfleet officers essentially encouraging her to do the wrong thing. Uh-huh. But it works within the, the what they're trying to do with this episode. And I... I, I don't know. I'm really enjoying the tone of this. We've we've talked around it a little bit, but I really enjoy when they drop the Starfleet officer act. Yeah, and, and no, it's not an act, but that that side of them, yeah. and they just talk like normal people. Right. They don't do it too often, and they don't do it too like extreme. Yeah. Because there are some characters in other shows that like they don't act or talk like Starfleet mm-hmm. officers ever. Mm-hmm. Um. But this, you know, they're talking with a friend. They're they're not on duty. This is something they all know and is obvious to everybody. Mm-hmm. And they just drop that formality of being a Starfleet officer and just say, come on, seriously? Yeah. And I like Chapel saying that, like, the way you changed him is actually in line of what I kind of want. Like, he's easier to talk to. He's more, mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I, can, my I can figure out his emotions more easy, easier, but he's also not the same guy, and it's not right. You got to change him back. It's not yeah. him. Yeah, and that's right. I mean, she fell in love with Vulcan Spock, not human Spock. Mm-hmm. And then we go back to the ritual, which continues with the mind meld. And... Pike jumps in and delays by interjecting the Earth tradition of charades. Uh, we don't get to see enough of charades. I wanted to see Vulcans actually playing charades, so I was a little let down by this. Honestly, the the father's misunderstanding of the rules of charades was almost uh-huh. funny enough. Where here, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is that a sacred word? Uh uh-huh. Yeah, it's so funny, and also like it's funny that the Vulcans like don't know enough about Earth culture to like. I mean, what are you going to do? Call call the captain a liar? The charades aren't an integral part of human bond- bonding ritual, you know. And then him yeah, and it, especially insulting. since like he plays it like he came up with charades on the spot, like he's just trying to delay. And his mo- and, yeah. and Spock's mom's like, "Yes, that's right." There's still the human ritual of and Pike's like. Shh charades and Mm -hmm. again this man's comic timing is just impeccable and it it, it just makes the scene yeah this if you give this to different actors it just doesn't work and it's like i cringy and shit but oh i just i'd ate it up yeah 
Uh, the chapel shows up with a hypo full of cure for Spock. They excuse themselves, and Chapel asks why he moved the shields to her side. But before he can really confess anything, she turns it back into a Vulcan and leaves. Uh, I I assume this would have she she doesn't feel right about kind of his exposed vulnerable state here and forcing him into admitting anything. I guess. Well, especially since in the next room is his fiance. Like this is all entirely inappropriate. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's for sure. Even though I would say they seem like a better match than Topring ever did, but really okay yeah we'll have, we'll have more to talk uh, they, they about seem to care more about each other i i wow. never really felt like i never really understood why spock cared about the pring they don't ever see each other like yeah I, I yeah it never felt right she's always criticizing him more than anything and i feel like chapel accepts spock for who he is hmm I don't know. Anyway, I want to. Uh, I mean, a lot of stuff I want to say is like contained in the, the scene, like where they part. So it's like I'll just wait. I'll wait okay. to defend to pring the, that scene. Yeah. So Spock uh, mind melds with his mother, which concludes the dinner. And then now that he's you know Vulcan, he can do that. Uh, to pring's mother starts saying how she was impressed that he could perform the ritual, being only half Vulcan. So Spock blows their minds by revealing that he was actually fully human when he performed that ritual. And then he tells his own mother how impressed he is by her. Yeah. And here again, Pike in the background where uh, the, 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 the Pring's dad wants more of that Vulcan shit now that everything's over with. And he's just like, I got you and preparing to tray. And then, then uh, it's Savet, that's his name. And then where the way he kind of veers off and alters course when he sees Spock just laying in to, to Pring's mom. <laughs> uh, it's yeah, it's just really real. it's really fun. It's really and fun. And the stuff he's he says to his own mom here, I mean it's not it's maybe not as poignant as the stuff that she says to him later in this episode, but it is of a piece and it's very important. You know, he says well, this yeah go ahead uh, you refer to my human side as a handicap yet here's my mother the most resilient compassionate tolerant person I've ever known one who's been judged by Vulcans her entire life and yet she stands by uh, she stands for love for family for me it's not a handicap that's true strength what he forgot to add he should have said and her bladder is beyond reproach <laughs> that would have just been the cherry on top this woman's never had to use the bathroom an entire run of Star Trek okay uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> never seen it I but really like it too and it works on even better on rewatch because like when I first watched this I assumed when Spock says it's an ordinary day when she took me to school that he was f- bluffing because he didn't have his full Vulcan psychic abilities but later in the episode you find no, out that no that was what he saw but it meant mm-hmm. so much more it was an ordinary day but like he he got a lot more out of it than he let on but he didn't want to drag out all of his mother's humiliating, I guess, laundry, but he did it just enough mm-hmm. to defend him against the, the Pring's mom. And I, I, I really, I really like that. Like I said, it, it works. A lot of these episodes I've noticed work really well on a second watch. Um, they set things yeah. up and pay off things that you'd kind of notice on that. And uh, this is another one. Good job. Strange new worlds. Agreed. Firing on all cylinders this season so far. And we're halfway through. So, uh, Tapring is surprised that Spock couldn't tell her about being human. She doesn't think Spock trusts her, and she suggests that they take time apart. 
Pring's 100% right. And I think, uh-huh. like, I was actually shocked to hear you say that you don't see why Spock is attracted to Tapring because, uh, I mean, just to get out of the way, she's super fucking hot. Sure. Uh, she's extremely attractive and she has been so since the old series. She's always depicted as, like, this extremely beautiful Vulcan woman. She's also highly accomplished and driven. And she is like the one of the most desirable blue blooded Vulcans of the planet Vulcan. And I think on a intellectual level, that's something that Spock aspires to be like Spock wants to be the statesman, the great Vulcan that his dad is. And having a woman like Mm. the Pring on his arm would be a long way to solidifying that. And he genuinely admires her driven qualities. The fact that she you saw that she's a human. I guess she'd be a Vulcanarian, not humanitarian. You know, she does relief work and, um, you know, she does a lot of like selfless giving of herself, which I think is why she admires Spock, even though it drives her crazy that Starfleet keeps him away from her. She's also trying to be long, you know, uh, Vulcans have long lives. I can let him do his Starfleet career and we'll still have 200 years, 300 years uh, to ourselves when he retires. And I, I think that they have shown that she's got a lot of forbearance and she's tried to make this thing work. And Spock was wrong mm-hmm. to hide this from her. You mm-hmm. know, it's a pretty flimsy excuse to say, well, it's, uh, you know, Vulcans aren't very good at lying or whatever. And I didn't want to put that stress on you. And she says, well, there's some logic to that, but also the emotion of it doesn't track. And it's, it seems like she's legitimately brokenhearted by his inability to trust her with something that he trusts everyone on the enterprise with yeah yeah and i think that's what it comes down to why i don't feel like they are a good match because spock isn't a hundred percent vulcan right he's also human spock spock is an anomaly within the vulcan culture yes for a vulcan maybe to bring is an amazing catch but there's never felt like there's a connection there to me yeah but that's i think that's the human side of him is much more in line with chapel yeah, and I, I think that's um, I, I I like seeing this because um, it depicts something that's common to love the young love affairs, right? You know that you get together and like you so admire this person, and but then you know you get certain to the relationship, and it's just like, well, it's just not. You know, there's nothing wrong with that person. You don't have to talk yourself into hating them, but it's just like it's just mm-hmm. not exactly what you thought it would be, or they're not what you thought it'd be, or you both grow in not complimentary ways where you want different things after a few years and it's got it it's always sad sure. it's really sad when like no one's done anything wrong here um although i think mm-hmm. i could i can uh, my scorecard spock did something wrong i think oh yeah i'm with you i think he did yeah, something he, wrong he sprinting the nurse chapel and immediately oh, con- you know consummating too. a relationship um but but yeah, yeah oh yeah all the the fact that like he also made a mistake in not trusting her it's not been the first time mm-hmm. that he's done this elaborate charade, you know quote unquote charades rather than be straight with her about a situation he's going under and she doesn't even and know she's the depth caught him and she doesn't know exactly how much he's lied because he has mm-hmm. pat he has lied to her about his feelings about Nurse Chapel like I could never you know and mm-hmm. abused her trust in him to get away with some things that she wouldn't approve of. So it's like, yeah, Spock's kind of a little bit of a Vulcan fuck boy here, but like, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't hate to pring. Um, and again, it, it shows me, no, you gotta get, not. you gotta get to pring who I quite liked in season one, especially to a place where she, you would, she'd believably try to kill Spock and or his best friend and Vulcan mm-hmm. ritual pond fire combat in the original series. And I feel like, 
him doing the Ross Geller we're on a break bullshit is going to be <laughs> it's probably going to get close. us most of the way there yep I agree uh, yeah let's go to chapel um, she gets a call from this horrible Vulcan with the fellowship and he says that her application has been denied she tells him you know what uh, I did some serious archaeological medicine shit today I don't need your stupid fellowship and in fact you don't deserve me and that's the end of that I like how they played the Vulcan stick up his ass like he was actually really hot to hear about this Kirkovian medicine mm-hmm. what research and he's like you know what you can read my fucking paper click like and everybody so, else yeah so good yeah mm-hmm. put that in your Vulcan pipe and smoke it yep uh, and then Pike commiserates with Spock over a glass of uh, Tolarian brandy I, I don't know what he drinks I love it. A low and last human ritual commiseration. Because what are you going? What do you do? What do you say after that crazy yeah. experience? <laughs> I mean, sometimes bad shit happens, and all you can do is yeah, man, experience it with somebody. You know, you're a young Vulcan in love, man. You're going to have some scrapes and bruises and partial reversion to humans every once in a while. <laughs> right? Yeah. Who amongst us hasn't? Who amongst to- us? hasn't gone through an energy rift and had half of her DNA replaced. Like, you know. <laughs> Honestly, on Star Trek, it's fewer than you'd think. I also, I really like, I because like, I watched Star Trek as a young person, and I appreciated that there's a lot. I appreciated, you know, it's kind of cringy as an adult, but seeing Jordy like, being a complete loser at love mm-hmm. and, like, figure that shit out and seeing Wesley being, like, as an awkward young man myself, like, I felt like I learned a lot on how to relate to people from watching Star Trek and sometimes having these like junior grade officers being a little bit arrested development and see them struggle um, to the extent that I like to uh, flatter myself that young people are still watching Star Trek. I I, I kind of get like a good feeling about the young men and women that this show is raising, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, they're, they're modeling behaviors, both good and bad and kind of showing that in real time. And, and, and people can like, uh, make make decisions based on that but because because yeah like I, i've i've always said a lot of who i am today is because i watched a lot of star trek the next generation and some of that was cringy adolescent type behavior that um mm-hmm. hell my parents were gonna you know explain that stuff to me my peers at school certainly weren't doing a good job so <laughs> <laughs> yeah they had ideas but yeah none of them right uh no i think that's one of the things that Star Trek as a franchise has gotten pretty right in the last few years, especially with this, you know, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I think they have, or maybe I'm attributing too much of a uh, calculating nature to them, but in my mind, what's happened here is there are a lot of young people watching Star Trek now, in large part due to Discovery. And Mm -hmm. I think that's cool as long as we can have the Star Trek Strange New Worlds that they can then look to for more Star Trek content that might guide them in directions that I I view as almost gateways to the old Star Trek, you know? The mm. stuff that I view as important both yeah. you know, in my development but also in just like its general societal outlook. Mm-hmm. Um I I think yeah, you can hook people with the action and the crazy plots and the serialized stuff. And then maybe they'll be encouraged to come look at some of this other stuff that deals with more serious issues. Sure. So I don't know if that's been intentional by them to say, hey, let's hook them with disco, the more action-based kind of thing, and then the movies, or if that's something they just kind of stumbled into. But I think it'll be effective. 
It's a good question because, like, I again, this is the same crew that made all of the Star Trek that I didn't really like, and they're mm-hmm. nailing this. So I don't know if it's the format or if it's the cast they got or just they've finally kind of got a handle on, or you know, they told the other stories and now they're ready to go and kind of retread Star Trek. But whatever, I they're I hope they keep it up because it's yeah. uh, it's entertaining, it's in, it's educational, it's enlightening. Mm-hmm funny as hell and it looks great uh we have a little bit more of this episode to cover we get the scene where spock asks his mother why she showed him that specific memory during their mind meld she says it represented the first time she saw spock being accepted by his people and that it meant so much to her because of that and he's like but you were not you were shunned by those women and he's just but you were happy and that's what what mattered and uh yeah it's 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 pretty moving yeah, she, you realize how much she's sacrificed for Spock to grow up on Vulcan, to grow up among his own people, you know, because and she Spock could never him to Earth. You can tell Spock never got those speeches of like, all the things I've sacrificed for you and your father. I came to this fucking desert planet where everybody thinks I stink and all these women <laughs> look down their long green Vulcan noses at. No, she just, yeah. just provided a calm, stable empathetic re, re, um, uh, position in, 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 in Spock's life and realized that this is a decision I'm making and I'm owning it. It's a hard decision, but I'm doing what's right for my kid and it's paid off beautifully because Spock's becoming a, a man she could be proud of. Oh my I don't God. know how proud she'd be of what happens next, but you know, <laughs> half Vulcans are allowed to not be perfect. Before we get there, I want to say, I want to throw up Alexander Alexander Mo, I I don't know what yeah. his last name actually is. Alexander Rashenko, if you want to go with his right, 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 bullshit taken name. Uh, his grandparents' name, I think. Worf, Worf fucked him over big time. Just like Worf did the exact him. opposite, right? He took he took he took Alexander and sent him to his grandparents' house on Earth, mm-hmm. which t- turns out it's hard to be a, a Klingon on Earth. Yes. Which Worf knows because he, he did the knows. same He's thing. Done, yeah. He and so he subjected his child knowingly to all of that, that uh, just outcast nature. Like he's giving him complexes and he knows it. Whereas, um, yeah, Spock's mother did, did the hard thing, which was to give him the life that he would feel more comfortable with. Yeah. I is, Does Alexander ever show up or is even referenced on Deep Space Nine? Oh yeah, Toward he does show end, up. Yeah, okay, because uh-huh. like I, my memories of like he just never shows up in Deep Space Nine. I'm like, oh my god, Worf just like fucking deadbeat dads, his own son. But <laughs> well, he does okay. that for a long time, and then yeah, no, Alexander shows back up, going, "You deadbeat dadded me." What the really fuck? good? I don't yeah. remember that episode, but like that needed to happen. Um, because yeah, he does, he does do Alexander dirty, totally. Yeah, but, that's the counter example. Also, Worf never wanted to be a dad. Uh, his lover kind of did him dirty and concealing it for so you know so it's like all right, there's a lot of a lot of issues there. It's not all Worf's fault, but yeah, it's uh, that's definitely an example of what not to do as a dad for sure. Yeah, I feel like Panther p- being a parent is in large part how much sacrifice are you willing to make for your child's well being, mm-hmm. and she's making a lot. Uh, and then finally, Spock tells Chapel that he and T'Pring are taking time apart and that he has feelings for her. And he's happy about that. He wants to feel them. 
and so they kiss because she feels the same and more they they kiss and more i think they they're falling out of frame at the end of this making out i assume falling right into a bed or against a bookshelf or something i don't know uh that's gonna do it right on the floor right uh-huh. on the the right against the bulkhead it's gonna be raw uncut yeah. half human half vulcan fully vulcan human style. emotions yeah Vulcans, Vulcans don't need a soft surface to bang. Are you kidding me? That's weakness. That's something uh, humans do. <laughs> true, true. They they they, want, they like to fuck against uh, red hot iron grates. That's what they. That's that's that's, that's what. Yeah. yeah. Or that's rocks. For them. Pointy rocks on the surface. Volcanic of rocks. Mm-hmm. That you pour boiling water over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is going to be interesting in subsequent episodes. I hope it's not insufferable. I really don't want to see like Spock's personal log. I've been fucking the shit out of Merce Chapel. Like I, I, oh my god, got he got a little much. Remember the whole Spock at the Pring stuff and sees. I, I, I yeah. And now he's now she's on the ship. Yeah. Over and under, how many episodes are we going to see Chapel and Spock in bed? Over under for the, let's for, the say, for the rest of the season we got what we got we got five more episodes five, left two and a half two point five over under. I was gonna say three and that's too many yeah <laughs> that's too many man yeah. that's too many all right I'll allow gonna, two I feel like Sulu and uh, Star Trek Six we got to turn into the wave we got to turn into the wave of uh, of uh, a, a horny Star Trek and ride it out because it's mm-hmm. it's not gonna abate it's not gonna abate for sure no I don't think so. Uh, anyway, that's the end of the episode. Shields up. Here come the ads. At ease, Ensigns. Welcome back to Bald to Go. Yeah, if you'd uh, like to send us feedback on our show uh, to Baldly Go, Star Trek at baldmove.com is where you want to send that feedback. Dominic says, uh, I'm listening to the feedback for Strange New Worlds, and you're saying the brain can be starved of oxygen in three to five seconds with an MMA uh, applied chokehold. I don't think that's the lack of oxygen, but the change in blood pressure in the brain. Why wouldn't holding your breath for three to five seconds have the same effect? Okay. Well, because your brain's still getting oxygen with holding your breath. It's just getting less and less and less and less. But when you choke off the blood, your brain gets zero oxygen. There's, there's, and so all it's got is residual that's left inside, and it just burns through that in seconds. Um, and that's the yeah. difference because, like, when you're holding your breath, like, you use a shockingly little of the oxygen you breathe in. When you breathe out, yes, mm-hmm. you are exchanging carbon dioxide, but a ton of the oxygen is still in and just comes, just you just expel it right out. So when you hold your breath, there's a lot of oxygen that your body can keep absorbing. If, you have uh if you starve your brain of oxygen either through a blood choke or a massive loss of blood pressure or an emptying of the blood of oxygen like you would get if your lungs explosively decompressed and you had zero atmosphere you would rapidly lose consciousness um that's why i'm always a a burst blood vessel in your brain that's why it kills you the same thing And, and i've always been skeptical of those stories of like you know people experimenting at the guillotine and trying to hold up a head and slap it and get its attention because like you can't get a massive loss of blood pressure quite like decapitation like mm-hmm. you go from <laughs> you know what what 120 over 70 to zero over zero and like yeah i just like i can't imagine you have more than seconds of of consciousness and those type of search so anyway 
I, I yeah. could be wrong. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. These are just arguments I've heard from people who do have those qualifications. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, holding your breath is not analogous to your brain being cut off from oxygen. Um, but I hope that helps. Lucas says it's not a retcon that Kirk was lieutenant on the Farragut. We're talking about the right tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. What right? That was that episode. I Where think they go so. back in time. Uh, that's how it's supposed to be. The only the only Kirk we saw last season was a future alternate universe Kirk who was captain to Farragut because Pike didn't have his accident and stayed as captain yeah. of the Enterprise. That's the whole point of this episode. To avoid war, Kirk needs to be captain of the Enterprise for the balance of terror scenario with the Romulans. Um, I'd suggest rewatching the first season finale. It's mostly a future alternate universe that only our <laughs> Pike experienced. Every other character uh-huh. in the episode is from that future alternate universe. Uh, Jim didn't seem aware of this, though in a previous episode, Aaron had corrected him. It seems to have forgotten about it. I don't know. That's I the problem. Did, I did rewatch that finale, and I forgot. I did too. <laughs> I forgot the I, specifics of it. Yeah. So, and that is the thing. It's like it's always rough when we're coming in for second season when we just casually watch the first season because surprise, surprise, watching episode two or three times, taking detailed notes, talking about that with my friend, and then considering feedback has a way of committing way more detail about episodes than just kind of watching it and being like, yeah, it's fucking cool, right? And even then, anyway. I forget a lot. Appreciate the correction, Luca. Ian says, oh, got a lot of Canadian feedback. Says, first, Ontario. I'm never sure when your pronunciation is a deliberate joke or just an Aaronism, but the tar in Ontario is more like tear, as in I tear up a paper, not tar as in a mammoth drowned in a tar pit. Uh, well, bad news for Canadians. I, I, I boot that. Um, yeah, I just I don't ever do these things as a joke or hardly ever. It's just yeah, yeah. they just it just all gets fucked up, man. Um, it's probably going to be Ontario till I die, but I'll see. I'll see if I can get in Ontario uh, uh, to, to remap my 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 increasingly aging brain. Also, Ontario is geographically huge with a population of almost 15 million. It would be the fifth biggest U.S. state after California, Texas, Florida and New York. Of course, Canada. I'm sorry, Canada. Woo, how about that? <laughs> Canada. Can- Canada, Ontario. Ontario, Canada mm-hmm. uh, has far fewer people than the U.S. Ontario is not so much yeah. the equivalent of Ohio as Canadians equivalent of most of the American East Coast and Midwest as well. Uh, like you, I thought Paul Wesley was far more convincing as Kirk this time. I'm not not quite the fully Shatner Kirk, but definitely in line with mm-hmm. the also excellent Chris Pine Kirk. Agreed. Yeah gotta say that this Kirk's dying lines of say hi to Sam for me were far better than the canonical Kirk's dying lines of oh my (laughs) (laughs) I like oh my I do too I like the idea of him starting the next big adventure and just you know Uh of of death and kind of being caught up in it like an explorer he is but I know not everyone does Uh, Pelia and La'an we talked about whether Pelia has awareness of her and La'an's running into each other in the past he says I think we've already seen some of Pelia's reaction and I assume she does remember the events when La'an goes to the bridge in her 21st century clothes Pelia is explaining her stolen artifacts to Pike and Pelia definitely gives La'an a look I think this is her saying aha now you're all caught up but I hope there'll be more dialogue about this later hmm. um, okay. the, 
the ending. I thought it was interesting how untidy it was. Perhaps that says more about the Federation's utopia than Trek usually does. La'an has restored that utopia, but at immense personal cost. As you pointed out, in a way, the episode doesn't solve anything for her. She's possibly lonelier at the end than she was at the beginning, although she's found a different kind of acceptance of her background. I'm sure Trek makes a statement elsewhere, but I think it's a great example of how we can achieve that better world. And Trek has often been too cynical about it in recent years, but achieving it is also really, really hard work. Yeah, that's a that's a good point, Ian, that we probably have within ourselves the ability to create a utopia, but it's going to require some joint individual sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't know. All of us can have $200 million yachts in a Star Trek utopia. Well, but... I don't know about you, but that's not much of a sacrifice for me. True. True. <laughs> but there's going to be the, but the people that are making a sacrifice is going to be a big fucking sacrifice for them. And it might take us another, 75, 80, 90, 100 years to, to get where everybody's ready to do that for the greater good. Um, and hell, maybe we never get there. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. It's possible. But Star Trek suggests we can if we're open to making life better for everyone, even if sometimes we get the short end of that straw. Michael says, you're right to be skeptical about Kirk's use of the Vulcan neck pinch. As evidence, I submit that in Star Trek 3, McCoy was busted because an intelligence officer heard him talk about travel to Genesis. With Spock's Katra, he has the skills and reflexes to go for the neck pinch, but his only effect on the victim was a raised eyebrow. Oh, it partially Hmm. worked. Got the Vulcan eyebrow (laughs) out of him, but... Mm -hmm. See, this is is exactly what I, I thought there was canonical examples of humans trying the neck pinch and it not working. Mm-hmm. Maybe McCoy was just too old and feeble because he's pretty old at that point. Yeah. And like a healthy, strapping 26-year-old Lieutenant Kirk can, can do it. <laughs> but I don't know. Who knows? Uh, Chris DC says, Do you think a Star Trek temporal investigation department show would be any good? Each week they could go to a different time and fix things. They could even have a guest appearance by crews from other Star Trek shows. Or would it just be too complicated to keep all the canon straight? I think this is a hell of an idea for a Mm -hmm. series. It would work especially good as an animated series. Think about like Marvel's What If where they have the Watcher, like a Watu, and he's going and seeing like what if Captain America was Captain Britain and what if... I, I that I think it'd be very cool. I think it'd be very cool. I I think I'd love to see them try it. I think it'd be hard to pull off in a particularly good way. Because what do you do? Do you go back and start having adventures in like with the crews we know already? Uh, how do you do yeah. that? Like logistically with actors aging and stuff like that. Like I, that's how, why how do you I go went back animated. to Enterprise era when Scott Bakula is 80 years old. Um, yeah, that's why I immediately went to animation because you could smooth all that over. You could just draw Jonathan yeah. Frakes. You could draw William Shatner. You could get uh, a person to ape their voice or you could just AI voice it. But like, mm-hmm. I, there's something about that format that lets them do like, uh, almost like, um, uh, like Rod Sterling type of, uh, what is that they called that show? The, the Twilight, Twilight Zone. Zone. Mm-hmm. Like, you could do, like, weird, scary. You could do lighthearted, satirical. Like, you know, you could mm-hmm. just do push the Star Trek format even more. And I, I think the show would have to have a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek vibe because you yeah. are playing with canonicity. 
but I, I would have to have work. its own good characters uh, in their own right. I, I think like the cast that is part of the temporal investigation, you know, would have to be good. But I, yeah, if if they nailed that, I think it could work really well. Zach says, I do not have a long history with the, the old series besides the movies. I've been a bigger fan of later Star Treks, but I'm having a real mm-hmm. problem with the eventual Kirk-Spock relationship. How can Spock just toss away Pike to make kissy faces with Kirk? I much prefer Pike to Kirk, but as I said, I don't have a big history with the old series. Oh, man. You just pissed off a lot of people with that. <laughs> prefer Pike to Kirk. Woof. I think canonically... And there's nothing in the Strange New Worlds that's convinced me otherwise that Spock and Pike have a more father-son relationship or at least Mm mentor-mentee, big brother-little brother relationship, whereas Spock and Kirk became like brothers. Yeah. And that's the fundamental difference. Like you can have a close relationship with your father, but you're never going to be as close as your father as you are your best friend or like Mm -hmm. your adopted you know, the person that you say, you are my brother. And that's just like, yeah, if you watch all of Star Trek, you might come to appreciate that. But it's also one of those things where like, I, I could see them doing a such a good job with this version of Spock and Kirk, or I'm sorry, Spock and Pike's relationship that people, especially modern fans, might prefer it and not understand why Spock yeah. is so bestie with, with Kirk. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm I'm not like the world's biggest TOS fan. I've seen all the episodes, but maybe only once. Uh, I'm definitely like TNG DS9 era fan, primarily. So I don't quite... No, I, I mean, I've seen all the the original series movies, and I think those are good. I've seen some more than others. And so I get the vibe between Kirk and Spock. And like you said, it feels more fatherly. Uh, or, sorry, the, the Pike stuff feels more fatherly. I don't yeah I don't know I I think people as we get further and further away from the original series it becomes hokier and hokier yeah I I don't expect a lot of people will even know much about Kirk at all yeah it's not just the special effects it's just like even the performances are kind of Uh old-fashioned and the 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 you know the social commentary they're doing back then was is just so like you know we take it for granted Mm-hmm. nowadays you know like seeing Ohura and Kirk's kiss is like who cares like we have multiracial relationships all the time it's a kind of almost a default mm-hmm. in, in modern productions um, so like a lot of that's kind of lost but like yeah I I don't know I, I was an old series fan I'm old enough to be an old series fan before I was the next generation fan in fact I was excited mm-hmm. about the next generation because I was a Star Trek fan and is excited to see new Star Trek so I have a lot of affection for the original Holy Trilogy mm-hmm. of Spock, Kirk and McCoy um, and yeah like I said I think the, the key difference is you've got like a more of a father son a paternal relationship where he's taking a young Spock and like standing off his round corners and teaching him how to be a Starfleet officer and Spock and Kirk are just, they're just BFFs. Yeah. All right. That'll do it for the feedback. Once again, that's Star Trek at baldmove.com. If you'd like to send us feedback, uh, we'll be back next episode with another episode of Star Trek, strange new worlds. We'll see, see how much of the, the wave we have to turn into uh, we'll be back next week for another episode. Until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you then. Bye.